Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This week, I am on Main Street in St. Charles at the Soda Museum and Main Street Arcade with Tom Smith, the founder of this place. Tom, this is very exciting. Thanks. Yes, it's been a, it's been a long uh, dream that has finally come true. I uh, started collecting uh, old Coca-Cola memorabilia and other soda memorabilia at age 10, and by age 15, I told my dad someday I was going to open a museum, and, and uh, a short 35 years later, here we are. So <laughs> That's amazing. So you started when you were 10. You said that was 1984. Uh, what prompted you to start collecting soda memorabilia? Well, uh, a lot of people say, well, you know, uh, the, the same question, why in the world would you ever want any of this old stuff? And, and my very first item is a 1937 uh, Coca-Cola tray. It has a, a beautiful young lady running on the beach uh, in a beautiful uh, little yellow swimsuit uh, running at me with, uh, with a Coke bottle in each hand. And, and the way I looked at it was uh, she was bringing me a Coke. So she had one for herself and she was bringing me the other one. So, uh, you know, at age 10, I could put that in my room and not get in trouble. So <laughs> there you go. So uh, how, tell me about how that evolved. I mean, you have how many items are here? Uh, you know, I, I would have to, I don't know. Uh, you don't know? Somewhere over 6,000. Uh, but uh, but I'm, I'm continuing to add more items all the time and, and, and redo some displays. Every three months or so, we, we rotate things around. So here in the museum houses about 35% of my collection. Uh, so I have... You still uh, have, like... You have 65% more? That's correct, this. yes, oh yes. Uh, so, so I have three times basically what's here. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so your question of how did I, how did I get started? I was working for an auction company, uh, at age 10, there was an auction going on across the street from my parents' house. And I asked my dad what, what was going on there. And, and, uh, so we went across the street and, uh, and I met the auctioneer and he offered me a job to, uh, clean out the basements of these, uh, estate, uh, uh estates and bring the stuff out and put it on the tables for the auction. And, uh, you know, they, they stuck the, uh, the 10 year old down there where all the rats were and all the, all the vermin, uh, to, uh, to pull the stuff out of the out of the basements and I started noticing that that the coca-cola stuff would would uh, would would interest me and, and it interested other people as well so I uh, I purchased that tray uh, that summer uh, this this June will represent 40 years ago uh, that I uh, that I bought the first item and I, I I loved it and I decided to add some more stuff to it so but slowly over time Yes. I mean, I'm, I would say I, a strong majority of the collection here uh, was purchased pre-internet. 
Okay. So uh, I, I still buy things almost every day. There's not a lot left that I'm really looking for uh, because I have a, a lot of the items that I would ever possibly want. Uh, but every once in a while, the, an item comes up still that, uh, that, that still piques my interest, and I, and I try to pick it up. But you didn't open this museum until last year, right? That's correct. Yeah, just uh, three months ago. On December 1st, we opened. Uh, I have been uh, collecting kind of quietly here uh, in St. Charles. I've been in St. Charles my whole life uh, and just kind of going around all over the world uh, to pick up items for the collection. And it was just a, a private display in my home that, that you know my family and my friends were able to see. But I always had that dream of opening up a museum and sharing it with other people. So all this stuff was in your house? <laughs> Uh, either in my house or in a, in a storage uh, facility, a storage barn that I okay. have. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just, just in vending machines, I have 440 different vending machines. Oh so those were not all in my living room. But, uh, but I, I did have a couple dozen in my house, uh, but, uh, but the rest were all in storage. So what did you do with your life between being 10 and opening this museum last year? So uh, I, uh, I started a political consulting company. Uh, out of college, I had a finance degree uh, from uh, Northeast Missouri State and uh, went and worked for American Express as a financial advisor. Did that for a couple of years, uh, but my, my calling really was more toward uh, the political scene. Uh, I'd done some volunteering on some campaigns in high school uh, and again in college, and uh, an opportunity came up to, uh, to get back into the world of politics. Uh, so I, I jumped at that back in uh, 1999. Uh, and, and started my own consulting company by 2000. By your own count, you have well over 10,000 items. Where do they all come from? Uh, all, all, over the, all over the world, uh, all over the United States. I've, I've been uh, uh, to almost every state uh, to buy specifically to buy Coca-Cola items and, and Pepsi items. Uh, you know, you, some of them come from, from old general stores that have closed down. Some of them come from old gas stations. Uh, some of them come from other private collectors that have, that have done the hard work of finding these things as well. So, uh, nowadays, you know, you, you, you might, you might find some things for sale on the internet or Facebook marketplace or something like that. Uh, but, uh, but for the most part, a lot of the really good items are buried in people's collections at this point. And so, you know, buying from other collectors or trading with other collectors is kind of the, the, the way that you're able to increase your collection. So other people's basements, is that basically <laughs> what we're talking about? Anywhere okay. you can find it. All right, well, tell me about some of the, the highlights of this place. There's so many items. I couldn't go through, possibly go through all of them. But tell me the kinds of things you have and what are some of the highlights? So uh, as far as uh, rarity, there's a couple of items here that uh, there are only the only one known to exist. Uh, there's, a, there's a sign down in the main display case from uh, 1897. Uh, there's two of those known to exist, the one here and one in the world of Coca-Cola Museum in Atlanta. Uh, so there's some, there's some, some highly sought-after uh, rare items here. Uh, but what I prefer to, uh, to focus on are the things that bring back memories for people. So, you know, while it's neat to have an 1897 sign, no one's going to walk into my museum and point at it and say, hey, I remember that. Uh, but what they will notice is, uh, is about uh, 30 or 40 feet away in that same display case is a Max Hedrum skateboard. And mm -hmm. so people are going to come in and they're going to point at that and say that they remember it. And so while I, while I enjoy the old items and, and they're a lot of fun and, and, and represent the history of the company, I prefer things that people can, can connect with. Yeah, I was just thinking that myself because when I was downstairs... Uh, you had some Coke bottles from different uh, teams winning national championships or Super Bowls or whatnot. And there was one that had the 1981-82 North Carolina Tar Heels on it. And I remember that bottle. It just stood out to me. I had it on my shelf in my bedroom. 
because I went to I ended up going to North Carolina, and at the time I was living in North Carolina, so I get that it it definitely flooded back memories in my mind. So. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we get some folks in here that, that remember buying, you know, their, their bottled uh, Cokes out of a certain type of machine. And here you're going to be able to buy a bottled Coke out of that same type of machine, whether it's putting in your dime and cranking a handle and pulling it out of the machine or, or sliding it over by the bottle cap of the bottle. Uh, a lot of folks come here and remember those uh, machines from their past and they get to relive that here. There's a lot of Coke stuff here, Coca-Cola. Correct. Uh, is that by design? Is that something you prefer or did it just happen? Well, I mean, they're, they're the largest soft drink company. Uh, they, they made the most items. So, uh, so you know, over, I would say, 70% of the items in the museum are Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola products. Uh, but we do have Pepsi, uh, Mountain Dew, Dr. Pepper, <clears throat> Royal Crown, 7-Up. Uh, Sundrop, uh, Orange Crush. We have we have all the major brands represented, and a few of the minor brands too. Uh, we have a, a display case on the on the top floor that has uh, a bunch of old St. Louis brands in it. Uh, Smile Soda, uh, Gargers, uh, Vest stuff uh, from the Vest Company in St. Louis. Seven uh, Up was was started in St. Louis, so we uh, we have a whole case that's dedicated to the history of uh, of St. Louis bottling. Uh, there's over 40 different uh, bottlers. There are 40 different brands that were in St. Louis at one time, uh, and then we also have another shelf that is uh, dedicated to St. Charles history. So we had a couple of uh, St. Charles brands here. So uh, the Zeisler Company uh, and Big Boy Company were both here in, in St. Charles as well. Huh. Well, I have in my hand a Sarsaparillo, <laughs> which reminds me of the Big Lebowski. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the, the narrator, he's always ordering a Sarsaparillo. And Cheerwine, right in front of me as well. Uh, Cheerwine, I remember as a kid because it was produced in North Carolina. So again, memories. Absolutely. Yeah, and we have over 100 different uh, glass-bottled pure cane sugar sodas here for sale. Uh, so if someone does remember something, you know, we, we get a lot of folks that come in looking for uh, some of the older, more obscure brands, Moxie and Knee High and some of the other uh, brands. And we have all those here in stock for people to, uh, to enjoy. So it's not just bottles on a shelf. You can actually drink. Absolutely. The soda, Absolutely. which is pretty cool. Not the ones on the shelf. Well, not, <laughs> not the ones from 1937 still right. have Coke in them. I don't want to drink that, but... Um, but you also have an arcade here. Yes. Uh, some of the items there were pretty old, too, like pinball machines and a shuffleboard table. Tell me about the arcade. Yeah, so, uh, so the arcade uh, became uh, a reality uh, whenever I, I – my, my, my folks uh, had an arcade, a small arcade in their basement whenever I was growing up. My, my first, one of my first pieces was a, a Coke machine, and uh, at the time I could only get uh, Pepsi bottles. Uh, in, in bottled sodas. So I had Pepsi and, and, uh, and Orange Crush and Mountain Dew and Sundrop in my Coke machine. And my dad thought, why not have a pinball machine next to it? So I had my Atari and my ColecoVision next to it, but uh, why not get a pinball machine? So, so uh, that, that same summer, my, my dad bought a pinball machine and uh, we, we grew that into two or three pinballs and two or three arcade games and then a pool table and a, and a few other things. And whenever I uh, moved out and started my own family, I did the same thing and, and had a small arcade in our home. Uh, and, and we kind of uh, accumulated things as, as days go on. As you can probably tell by looking around here, I don't really sell a lot. I pretty much just <laughs> keep it. So, uh, so as more games came into my life and more pinball machines, I didn't really have a place to put them. And I thought, what better than to be able to share those as well? So we do have a 1930s shuffleboard down in the basement here in the in Main Street Arcade. We have uh, a 1949 pinball machine, 1955 uh, ball bowling machine, uh, a 1958 baseball machine, some 1940s games, 
uh, and then all the way up to 2002 with uh, with uh, roller coaster tycoon pinball machine. So wow. uh, and bubble hockey, air hockey, all kinds of all kinds of games, and they're all free to play with your admission. Free to play with the admission. What's the admission? So the museum admission is a $10 donation to the Museum of Soda History. Uh, the arcade is a $15 cover charge. Once you're down in the arcade, everything's free to play. You don't put in quarters or anything like that. There's no time limit. Uh, you can play till you drop. Uh, or if you do both the museum and the arcade, it's 20 Now, you mentioned, uh, <clears throat> we talked about how many Coke items there are in here. Um, but you made a point to say Coca-Cola does not sponsor the museum. It has nothing to do with your museum. Why did you make a point to say that? Well, I, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not owned by anybody. Uh, I, I can tell the, the, the true history of, of all the drinks, uh, whether it be uh, you know, some of the, uh, the history of the Coca-Cola company. Obviously, they were from the South. Uh, they were founded by a Confederate uh, general. Uh, you know, it's not something that, that they brag about uh, for, for probably good reason uh, in their history. But I can tell the whole history of the company and, and where, uh, where they were as a company and how they, how they went through the, 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 uh, the eras of segregation and how they participated in some of that. Uh, and, you know, they were, they were from Atlanta. So that's, that's the way things were down there. But, but I believe in preserving those items and learning from them, uh, not destroying them and, and removing them off of the face of the earth, but, uh, but preserve those items and, and, and show where, where we've come from as a country. Probably some things uh, they don't want to publicize, like ashtrays and lighters that were yes. had Coke emblems on them, Absolutely. things like that. But, but you have them here because, you know, it's like, Doomed to repeat history, absolutely, sort of thing. Yes. So you have the whole history. I do. Good, I'm, bad, and the ugly. That's right. I, I have a, I have a 1955 uh, Pepsi billboard uh, that shows a, a beautiful young lady with a cigarette in her hand and a, in one hand and a Pepsi in the other, and it says, "Be debonair, have a Pepsi," and she's smoking a cigarette. And I'm certain that if I were a Pepsi museum, they probably would not want me to put a. Uh, a 1955 Pepsi billboard up that shows a woman smoking. So, uh, but that's that's reality and that's the history. And and I think that it's important to tell the whole history of all of these uh, beverages. Give me another example of something that uh, people might not know about the history of soda. Uh, I mean, there's probably so many things, but yeah, just whatever comes to mind. So you know, the the very first soda uh, here in the United States of uh, that 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 became a national brand was Verner's Ginger Ale. Uh, Verner's, yeah. yes, and uh, good Michigan drink. <laughs> and, Verner's uh, coolers, yes, that's yes, what, that's right. You make those with ice cream. Oh, oh they're yeah, so good. They're delicious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, that was 1866. By 1870, we had uh, uh, Canada Dry Ginger Ale. Uh, 1875, 1876, we had Hires Root Beer. So ginger ales and root beers were kind of the first. Uh, and then we came up with uh, Moxie in, uh, in 1885 and Dr. Pepper in 1885, and then Coca-Cola in 1886. And then from, from Coca-Cola, all the rest of the colas came. So, And you found, or you have some items that were companies that were sued by Coca-Cola because the bottle looked too much like their bottle and their logo Look, so yes, much like there, there's so many that that uh, tried to take advantage of Coca-Cola's early popularity in the in the in the early teens, all the way through the the 1940s. Uh, uh, sodas like Coca-Cola, uh, <laughs> Coke K-O-K-E, uh, Myola. Uh, there was one in St. Louis called Celery Cola that actually was at the uh, 1904 World's Fair in St. Louis, where Coca-Cola was not. And uh, and so Celery Cola, they were sued four times by the Coca-Cola company before uh, before they were actually able to put them under. So speaking of the World's Fair, you have a tray with a with a picture on it. It's a, a drawing, 
but it has a woman, and in the background you can see St. Louis. Yes, it's from I assume 1904 uh, it was from the World's Fair, and you can see that building, that huge building that's on the hill. You can see from everywhere in St. Louis. It's been yes. the background. Yes, and you can tell that it's that was drawn in Forest Park. It was yes, <laughs> yeah. The image, uh, the setting was was Forest Park, and and we had some folks in our local Coca Cola Collectors Club that that did some. Uh, uh, some research into that tray, and actually have been able to pinpoint the area where where that where that photo uh, original photo was taken from. Obviously, it's a it's a painting recreation, but uh, uh, but yes, it's a, it's actually a 1909 Coca Cola tray, okay. but of an image of the 04 World's Fair. So you said there's a Coca Cola Collectors Club. There is. Yes. Tell me about that. Yes. Uh, well, there's an international club. Uh, we uh, we have a, a national convention that roams around the country every year. Uh, this coming year, it'll be up in uh, Bettendorf, Iowa. Uh, and then in a, in a, in a, in we've had them here in Missouri and Springfield, Missouri. We've had them in Springfield, Illinois. Uh, usually, uh, you know, the, 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 the kind of tier two cities, uh, just because it's a little bit cheaper to have hotel rooms and, and those types of things. But, uh, but we move all around uh, the country, and, it, and it's kind of where our family vacations uh, have, have been the destination for our family vacations over the years. So uh, I've, got, I've got two boys now in college, and, and they grew up and ride in the back of the van heading out to Coke conventions. So. Uh, then our local chapter, the Gateway to the West chapter, we actually have uh, some of our meetings here at the at the Soda Museum. A couple of other things I noticed was the <clears throat> the toy truck collection. You yes. said is the largest Coca Cola toy truck collection that exists. That's correct. Yes, we have uh, we have uh, trucks all the way back to the 1920s and up to about 1980. And uh, I, I didn't. Uh, 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 include anything newer than that because I, I can't keep up with all the newest ones. Uh, but yes, we have uh, we have the original Buddy L truck from the 1940s that there were only a couple dozen of made. Uh, I've got two of those here, and uh, and all the way you know through the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. And you have bottles dating back a century or, or more. Yes. What's that up there in that corner? What's that collection exactly? So, so the bottle display that we have here ranges from about 1894 uh, to about 1930. Uh, and so there, you know, people uh, look at the, the Coca-Cola bottle shape, the, what they call the hobble skirt bottle, which is the traditional Coca-Cola bottle. Uh, and they consider that to be the old Coke bottle. And while some of those are old, some of those date back to the, to the teens, uh, there are a lot of bottles that have Coca-Cola on them uh, prior to, to that shape. And uh, so there's some straight-sided bottles, some amber bottles, and then what they call either a blob top or a hutch bottle, which was the original, uh, the original bottles. And that's actually where the, 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 the phrase pop came from, was the sound oh. that, uh, that the hutch bottle made when it was being opened. I didn't know that. So the hutch bottle, what exactly does that look like? That's a straight-sided bottle that has uh, kind of uh, a, a, a blob of glass on the top uh, that, uh, that would hold the, uh, the, the fixture that, that held the bottle closed. And then when you took that off, it made the pop made sound. Made the popping sound, And that's correct. where the, yep. the name pop came from. Yep. I did not know that. I guess if I come to the <laughs> soda museum, I can learn things like There's that. There's a lot of things to learn here. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. Uh, the other thing I noticed is there are a lot of brands through the, the decades that came and went which is kind of fun to see. I mean, some of them, some of them I remember, some of them I've never heard of. Sure. But that's kind of a neat part of the history too. These brands that tried and didn't didn't uh, endure like Coke and Pepsi. There, there's over forty thousand soda brands that have been created in the United States, and so you know a lot of these small towns over the years they would they would they would they would, they would 
have their cola beverage, whether it be Coke or Pepsi or, or RC Cola or, or any of the others, but then they would have their own version of uh, orange orange sodas and grape sodas and strawberry sodas, and so they would create their own kind of sub-brand of those flavored drinks. And so there are tens of thousands of those uh, across the country. Every small town had their own. And, uh, and a lot of those, you know, while we don't have all 40,000 brands represented here, uh, we're, we're doing our best to, uh, to represent as, as many as we can. You know, a lot of the, uh, the, uh, the smaller brands didn't have the advertising budgets. So you're not going to find, you know, a lot of signs or a lot of, uh, you know, coolers and machines with those brands on them. Uh, you're going to find bottles. Uh, and even then, you know, they didn't make all that many of them over the years. So the early, early bottles uh, have usually a paper label on them. And those paper labels fall off and disintegrate. And, you know, when you, when you dig a bottle up out of the back of your yard, your, your backyard, uh, you, you know, the label's probably gone. So, you know, so, so a lot of that stuff doesn't, doesn't really exist much anymore except in, in collections. You got a great location right on Main Street in St. Charles. Uh, what has the reception been so far? You've been open uh, three months, roughly. What is uh, what has the reception been? It's it's been awesome. Uh, the the uh, I, I just live three blocks from here, so I've spent most of my life walking up and down the the uh, main street in St. Charles. And I had my eye on this building for probably the last ten years. I was able to buy it in, in April of twenty twenty one, and uh, the folks here that that come and see us. Uh, absolutely, I haven't had anybody be disappointed. So uh, it's it's a great place to come. It's a great place to bring your family. Uh, you know, St. Charles is, is some of the greatest uh, spots for lunch are right within within a block of, of us here at the museum. Uh, and then and then we have a small snack bar in the basement as well. So you know, uh, snack bar types of foods, appetizer type foods to uh, to to get you through while the kids are playing the games. Well, there's a lot to see. I would highly recommend people taking the trip to come here and visit. Uh, Tom, is there anything else you wanted to mention? No, we'd love to have, uh, have all your listeners come out and visit. Tom Smith, the founder and owner of the Soda Museum and Main Street Arcade in St. Charles. There's lots to see here, so I highly recommend it. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.